This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. It's time to gorge yourself on meat and stuffing and to get stuffed by the creatures and psychos that lurk out there, even during Thanksgiving dinner. This world is a strange one. Thanksgiving is coming up fast, and I know most of us are already hungry for that glazed ham and turducken monstrosity. But even on Thanksgiving, scary things can go down. Uninvited people can come over, strange creatures can be on the prowl, and you might just lose your life over the last bit of stuffing. Enjoy these allegedly true scary Thanksgiving stories. And hey, leave a like and a share for this video to let your friends and family know how horrifying Thanksgiving can be. And remember, you can send your true scary stories at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. We're currently looking for creepy stories from the prom. Number one, the Thanksgiving boar, submitted by Gordon T. Every morning on Thanksgiving each year, my great uncle takes out me and my cousin Georgie to a place we call the Hollow to go boar hunting. The Hollow is a large, miles-long stretch of evergreens, a short drive from our cluster of houses, and it's ripe for killing boars. Boar hunting is fun, and the meat is delicious, better than the bacon you can buy on the shelves, in my opinion. Plus, there's something about hunting early in the morning that's peaceful, clears your head, makes you forget about the bad things for a while. We all have our skeletons we need to get away from every now and then. 
What I didn't expect that morning was that I'd soon be fighting for my life. After packing my gear the previous night, waking up and showering myself in scentless spray in the morning, I met my great uncle and cousin in the driveway. Without a word, I buckled in and we made our way towards the hollow while listening to country music and trying not to fall back to sleep. It was maybe 4.30 in the morning when we arrived at the hollow. We parked the truck in a shallow ditch as we always had. We grabbed our guns and jumped an old rusted gate that used to say no trespassing before my great uncle bought the land. Don't shoot yourself in the foot this time. Georgie teased me with a chuckle as we entered the tree line. He always said this to me every time we went out hunting. He thought it was a funny inside joke, reminding me of the time that I shot myself in the foot with a BB gun once. I was five, I barely knew how to aim the thing. Our great uncle, Gary we called him, even though his name wasn't Gary, was always the silent type, always wore a very serious face, but he was a sweetheart down to the core. He'd spoil his nieces and nephews rotten, had he the money to do it. Our tree stands were separated maybe a hundred yards apart each in a wide triangular shape. Mine was the furthest to the left going in. So at this point, we all split up and headed to our separate stands. We made sure to keep an eye out for boar because dark or day, they're dangerous and can really tear you up if you get in the wrong situation. The forest that morning was dark and the morning birds were seldom chirping. It was beautiful, or it would have been, if I didn't suddenly smell that horrible smell. It was like rancid eggs left on a cow's corpse on a hot summer sidewalk. I mean, it was awful. I found myself pinching my nose the moment it wafted toward me. I'd never in my life smelt something that bad not while hunting, not anywhere. I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't going to let it deter me. I pushed onward toward the tree stand, ignoring the disgusting smell. I came to about 35 yards from the tree stand when I heard a familiar noise. It was a grunting and huffing sound, a sound that meant I'd been spotted by an angry boar that I'd better make a mad dash for my tree stand. Though it was the same kind of sound I'd heard before, this one was still different. It was deeper, it was more gruff, and I could feel the ground vibrating beneath me. Yet still, I couldn't tell what direction it was coming from. It seemed to echo through the trees and reverberate all around me. The sound began to draw closer it was then that I put my foot to the ground and sprinted towards my tree stand. As soon as I began to run, the booming huffing noise came after me. It grew louder by the second. Luckily, I was already very close to the tree stand and I had it in sight in only a few seconds. The downside was I'd have to grab the bottom rack of the tree stand at the bottom of the tree trunk and carry myself up the tree with it and I'd never been too fast at it. To be frank with you, my arms aren't my greatest strength, but there was nothing else I could do. It was either climb that tree at a record-breaking speed 
or meet my demise to the bacon I ate with eggs every morning. Once I was within arm's reach of that climbing rack, I grabbed hold, pulled my upper body through the middle, and jumped as high as I could, catching the back of the rack on the tree bark on the other side. But I'd never jumped and caught myself like that before. The momentum caused me to whiplash and force the breath out of me. I just wanted to drop down and catch my breath after that. But I heard something that motivated me more than anything ever could. A squeal, a deep guttural squeal coming from directly behind me, followed by the sound of rapidly approaching and extremely heavy footsteps. So instead of dropping back to the ground, I just started climbing, ignoring the pain in my back and in my lungs. I honestly didn't know I could climb that fast. In maybe 12 seconds, I was six feet up the tree, far and away from danger, I hoped. Another few feet, and I was able to attach the rack to the upper part of the stand. I was so relieved when I could finally sit in the stand and lower my rifle from my arms instead of having it dangle around my neck by the strap. All was well until I looked down. My jaw dropped and I locked into place at the sight on the ground below me. It was the biggest boar I'd ever seen. And I'm not talking about some above average pig. I'm talking about something straight from a mad scientist lab. I wasn't even sure if it could be classified as a boar still. The thing was the size of my great uncle's truck easily, and if it were able to jump, it could have grabbed me by the leg and swallowed me whole if it wanted to. This boar was huge. On four legs, it must have been six feet tall. Luckily for me, nothing that big could jump, but it didn't matter. I was horrified, stunned, in shock that something like this could even exist. There was drool angrily spewing from its mouth in what seemed like gallons at a time. More than ever, I wish I'd just stayed home and slept until the smell of roasted turkey woke me up. This was not the Thanksgiving I was expecting. I waited up there for a long time. We'd be out hunting for the next four or five hours, and after 90 minutes or so of sitting in that tree stand, that mutant boar was still fuming mad at the bottom of the tree, occasionally grinding one of its massive tusks against the bark. Was I going to die of thirst up here, I thought, or were my relatives going to come to my aid, only to be torn apart? That's when I stupidly remembered the gun in my hands. I could fight back, or at the very least try to scare it away. I raised my already loaded rifle, and I undid the safety. I took aim, which I wasn't about to miss something that big, and I fired. The round boomed, and I saw my target get hit. It would have been harder to miss in that situation. But that boar simply shook its head, like it was trying to wave off an annoying mosquito. It was bleeding, but the shot wasn't enough it barely made the thing flinch. My heart began to pound, the way it did when I had been running from the thing. I readied another shot, and I took aim again, this time at the creature's eye. 
I fired. I hit it, but missed the eye. It winced a little from the sting, but it seemed to only make it more mad. My rifle was apparently not going to do anything to it. There was nothing else I could do but hope and wait. Suddenly, the creature turned its massive head to one side as if it had just heard something in the distance, something it didn't like. Then, with that same thundering gait, it stormed off into the hollow, squealing that dreadful squeal the entire way. In moments, it was gone, leaving me there in disbelief and fading fear. Still, I waited in that tree stand for a while. No matter how much I wanted to leave, no matter how much I wanted to abandon the hunt, I was too afraid to climb down. Maybe 20 minutes later, after sitting in silence and sweating up in that tree stand, I jumped down, not even bothering to lower myself down in that rack. I ran as fast as my body would let me back to the truck in that ditch. The other two weren't there, of course. They were probably still hunting, I'm sure they hadn't run into their own giant hogs, but when I climbed into that lonely, fragile, old truck, I was more afraid than I'd been before. That boar was out there. It towered over this hunk of metal, and a tiny door with a glass window wasn't going to stop it. Part of me wished I'd stayed in that tree stand. So, like some baby, I laid flat in that seat and I hoped that the next thing that came upon the truck would be my great uncle and my cousin. After a few hours of sweating into the old leather seats, my great uncle opened the driver's side door, nearly scaring me half to death, but it was over. We drove out of there as my uncle and Georgie teased me a while, joking about how I ran from a boar. They didn't understand though, they didn't see it. They didn't get to see that a full-grown man to that thing was nothing more than a sliver of man bacon. I didn't go back to the hollow for a very, very long time. Number two, the worst Thanksgiving, submitted by Hector Clean. To me, Thanksgiving is the most boring holiday. When people get upset that these department stores and franchises immediately start selling Christmas stuff the moment Halloween is over, I roll my eyes and don't really care. For one, Christmas makes them more money than any other time of the year, so why wouldn't they celebrate it as soon as possible? And two, Thanksgiving is freaking boring. You just sit around with family, family that forgot about you for the rest of the year, until you offer to cook them free food. Maybe I'm just a cynic. If that's true, I've got a very good reason to hate Thanksgiving now. You see, Thanksgiving of 2015, my family and I hosted Thanksgiving at our house. I wasn't looking forward to it. You could have probably guessed that by now but this time I had a different reason. It was mostly because my cousin Terrence was coming over. Let me tell you about Terrence. 
Terrence had just got out of a halfway house. The place they put you in when they feel you're ready for the real world after prison, but not too ready. Terrence had gone to prison after being convicted of three counts of aggravated assault. He had chased these Mormons away from his house with a bat, even striking and hitting one of them in the back and damaging their vertebrae. Well, you might be wondering why he did this. No one really knows. He never gave any reason for it, and psych evaluations apparently proved nothing. Needless to say, the guy really creeped me out. Well, it was about time for dinner. Most of the family was already there, and Terrence and his parents had just pulled up in the driveway. I stayed out of the way, sitting in a recliner in the corner of the living room, trying my very best not to make eye contact with anyone. If you make eye contact, they try to talk to you, and I'm not for pretending to care about what they have to say. Terrence walked in the door behind his parents, but when they'd opened the door, by instinct, I looked in the direction of the front door. Before he even walked in, Terrence was somehow already looking in the direction of my eyes. Once he passed the entryway, he was making eye contact with me. The tall, lanky guy looked like he hated Thanksgiving more than me, and that was really saying something. Every so often though, he'd scratch his back almost violently. It was strange to say the least. I wondered if he had a rash or if he was just crazy or maybe both. I turned away from his sight as quickly as I could, but I could still feel those eyes digging into my soul. I shivered. Eventually, everyone was settling down in whatever seat they could find. Plates filled to the brim with stuffing and ham and turkey. All I got was a roll. I'd eat after everyone left so that I could actually enjoy it. Terrence, on the other hand, wasn't eating at all. He sat in the kitchen with his parents, not uttering a word. But he was still looking at me. From that angle, he had turned his head nearly 135 degrees, just so he could still glare at me from his seat in the kitchen. I looked away and stared at the TV, some such and such football game playing on that big round screen. I was starting to nod off into a nap. I hadn't slept much the night before and I'd been helping my family prepare all morning, but I was suddenly forced awake when I heard screaming. It was coming from the kitchen. Aunts and uncles and cousins were piling out of the room in a panic. I couldn't see what was going on, so I stood up on top of the recliner and I peered into the kitchen over the bar top. Terrence was holding a machete, and one of my uncles was in the corner of the room, holding his hand. He was bleeding. What on earth, I thought to myself. Then, Terrence turned his head and locked his eyes onto mine. Oh, I noped right out of there. I ran out of the house and into my parents' arms. They were dialing 911. As we waited outside, scared and confused, Terrence never exited the house. I didn't know what was happening in there, but I would later find out what was going on. Come to find out, 
Terrence had hidden that machete in his pants and under his shirt. That's why he'd been scratching his back like that. That's also the reason my uncle was holding his hand. He'd lost a few fingers trying to stop Terrence. The thing is, Terrence was schizophrenic, and he'd only been diagnosed after the cops came to arrest him this time. Terrence wouldn't speak, so I guess people couldn't be sure if he was crazy or just angry. But if those psych evaluations from his first arrest were worth a dang, they could have stopped him, and my uncle could have still had his fingers. I'll never forget the way Terrence looked at me that Thanksgiving day, and I'm glad I stayed in the living room and didn't end up getting cornered by the psychopath in the kitchen. What a Thanksgiving. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Number three, a desert haunting, submitted by Wildcat920. I live with my grandma and grandpa in a small town in the middle of the desert. My family and I were at a relative's place for Thanksgiving, and as my family was on the market for a new house, and they really liked the place that my relatives lived at, we were looking for a new place there. We came across this town in the middle of a desert and had a small restaurant and we stopped and ate there. Overall, we really liked the place. We came across a lot of houses there that we really liked, but there was one that stood out one that we absolutely loved. It had a sandy yard, trees surrounding the front of the house, a screened-in front porch, and a huge back deck. It had a for sale sign on the fence around the place. We called the number, and one thing led to another, we bought the place. 
We found out later on that the previous owners of the place had died, but not inside the house, so I guess it didn't bother us much. We never expected anything weird to happen, but on the dot, on the anniversary we found the house, the Thanksgiving of the very next year, things started happening. When my aunt was looking in a closet in the master bedroom, she saw the silhouette of a person standing in there. I'd never heard anyone scream like that before. It sent chills into my very blood. The goosebumps from hearing her scream after seeing that, they didn't leave my skin for about 30 minutes. Later that same day, the second incident happened to my grandpa. He was sleeping in the living room as we didn't have enough extra beds and he didn't really mind. At one point, he looked down the hallway from the living room only to see a lady in a wheelchair, a lady he didn't recognize. What made it even better was that after a few seconds, the woman vaporized. In his own words, the woman simply vanished into a mist. That was a horrifying Thanksgiving, but the hauntings didn't stop after that. The third incident happened to me, and it's the scariest one in my opinion. I was staying up late one night, playing games on my Xbox 360. I got thirsty, so I decided I wanted to get something to drink. I walked into the kitchen, which is connected to the living room, so you could see into it from the kitchen. When I got into the kitchen, there was someone there that I didn't expect. There was a woman coming in from the living room, walking towards me. She had dark, long hair. It was all matted and frizzy, as if she hadn't washed it in ages. She walked slowly and melancholy, as if she was sick or something. Her body shape and hair didn't match anyone in our household. So right away, it scared me so bad, I bolted back to my room, slammed the door shut, and locked it. In the morning, once the sun was out, even though no one else was up, I gathered my courage to go back to the kitchen. Once I was there, I found that all the cupboards were open and there was a chair from the kitchen on a lounge chair in the living room, upside down with a pillow on it. It was bizarre and creepy. On another occasion, I was taking a shower late one night and I was just doing my regular thing when suddenly a razor fell near my big toe. It almost cut me. Carefully, I leaned down and picked up the razor, putting it back where it had been. But the moment I put the razor back, everything in the shower, all at the very same time somehow, fell from their places and down onto the tile below me. It was so sudden and so loud, it absolutely startled me, and I got out of the shower right away. The creepiest part was when I got out of the shower and closed the curtain as I always did. I could see the shadow of someone inside the shower. It was a very clear silhouette. Someone was standing there on the other side of the curtain now, someone who wasn't there before. Needless to say, my family believes that the house is very haunted. And what's even weirder is that the hauntings get worse on Thanksgivings. On that day of thanks, we see more than we should. And scary happenings seem to spike. Maybe the ghosts here are celebrating in their own way, the day we found the house. 
but something tells me that's not what's going on. I think something happened here on Thanksgiving one year. Something horrible, and it keeps reliving itself over and over. We just happen to be the unlucky family still living here. Number four, what it's like to starve during Thanksgiving day. Submitted by Zector Zivon. Me and my younger sister, Penelope, were teenagers during the mid to late 80s. Around that time, the show Married with Children was just in its first season. We grew up poor in a single parent household with my mother having to work even during holidays to pick up the extra pay. She worked at an auto shop, rebuilding alternators to make extra money. As poor as we were, we tried to maintain our dignity as much as we could. But during Thanksgiving day, my mom told us that she couldn't afford a turkey dinner and that we'd have to wait for her to bring us KFC in the late evening. We hadn't eaten much the night before and the fridge was empty as well. So me and Penelope could relate to Al Bundy's hunger pains. We lived in apartments next to our school friend Gina in an adjacent house. We were separated by a chain link fence. Needless to say, her family was far more well off than ours. And like every year, they'd have a turkey dinner with all the trimmings. I forewent my dignity and I called her up on the phone to come out and chat for a bit. Sometimes her family would invite us for dinner whenever me and my younger sister were alone some nights. I think they understood our poor situation. I told my sister, maybe she can ask her mom and dad if it's okay for us to have Thanksgiving with them. I crossed my fingers then went outside. Gina was waiting at the fence for me. We made small talk for a while, talking about bands we both listened to, when I decided to ask her outright. I asked if it was okay if we could eat dinner with them. Gina looked very sad. She said sorry, but there's a good chance that they were going to spend it with other relatives that year and that they couldn't bring any guests with them. I didn't mean to, but I noticeably frowned. My stomach had been hurting since last night, empty with hunger pains. I knew she felt bad for me and I hated it. She said before she walked away, I'll keep you posted in case anyone cancels or if we decide to cook at home again. I felt so embarrassed having to ask someone for food, but we were starving. Literally the only thing left in our house was moldy butter. We tried to forget about our empty stomachs by watching some Twilight Zone. There was a marathon on at the moment. When five o'clock rolled around, we began to smell something absolutely delicious. It was the smell of meat cooking. My mouth watered at the smell. I got so lost when I smelled it that I actually drooled on myself a little bit. My stomach began to growl and go crazy, and I even heard my sister's stomach growl too. Penelope and I turned to each other, and we were excited out of our minds. I ran to the kitchen window, and I saw Gina in her yard. We quickly ran outside to ask when dinner would be ready, assuming that they had changed their minds, that they would be cooking at their house after all. Gina had that sad face again and apologized. She said they were going to their aunt's house to eat 
and that no one had canceled. And we asked her who was cooking the delicious meal. She gave me a confused look and then sniffed the air herself. And that's when we heard some sirens in the distance getting closer and they stopped across the street. It was only then that we noticed the thick black billowing smoke in the air. One of our neighbors ran across the street to Gina's yard and they told us what was going on over there. Apparently an elderly man who was a hoarder was adding newspaper and logs to his fireplace to keep it going, but he slipped and fell down, instantly causing the fire to come out of his dwelling and burned him alive. That was the delicious aroma we had been smelling. As morbid as that news was, it wasn't enough to kill off our appetite. We were still famished until our mom came home around nine that night, although we were still pretty disturbed. As kids and teenagers, we laughed about the story, but as an adult, when I look back on it, I'm absolutely horrified I drooled, I mouthwatered, my stomach growled, all at the smell of burning human flesh. Nowadays, the thought and memory of that day, it makes me want to vomit. Now that I can afford a Thanksgiving dinner of my own, I don't look forward to it like I used to. On that day, the smell of cooking meat smells a little differently, and I think something deep inside forces it to smell a little familiar. And number five, Thanksgiving Terror, submitted by Nina. On Thanksgiving week, my family hesitantly left me and my brother alone for the holiday. They didn't mind as I could stay home and take care of my guinea pig and my brother would be with me, so they thought we'd be safe. The first couple of days were fine, We'd order pizza and watch movies, you know, the normal, trying to pass the time. The next day was Thanksgiving, but now the loneliness was catching up to me. I wasn't too thrilled, as I realized this year I wouldn't have a huge meal in front of me as my parents were gone, but we did end up getting one of those big, cheap, frozen warm-up lasagna things from Walmart. Before we knew it, it was nighttime and we were about to head off to bed when we suddenly got a knock at the door. My brother went over to answer it because I'm always a little paranoid when people knock at the door that late. He opened the door to see that it was one of our neighbors. He said, how are you guys holding up? My brother replied, fine, why do you ask? The neighbor said, I saw a bloody handprint on one of the windows of your house. I was wondering what it was I thought it was a leftover Halloween decoration. My brother's jaw dropped and my heart seemed to stop for a moment. Were they teasing us? Was this a prank? My brother replied with an honest answer. We don't celebrate Halloween. We keep our lights off and don't put out any decorations. And there was a long pause. And then my brother finally said to my neighbor, I'll go check it out just in case. He went to all the windows in the house, but he didn't see this bloody handprint on any of them. So we asked our neighbor why he would want to scare us like that, assuming it was a prank. He swore up and down that he saw what he saw, 
but honestly, I didn't believe him. We had a bit of an argument with our neighbor, and he ended up leaving and said, I'm just warning you guys, be careful tonight. We shut the door after saying goodbye. We were kind of relieved that he left because we didn't want to keep arguing with the guy and we weren't about to be the fools of some prank. We went to brush our teeth and get ready for bed, but only a few minutes had passed by before there was another knock at the door. My brother decided to look through the peephole this time and it wasn't our neighbor. It wasn't anyone we recognized either. We didn't open the door, but whoever it was knocked again, even louder than before. They sounded irritated that we hadn't answered the first time. My brother then opened the door, ready to let someone have it. There was a man standing outside. He appeared to be 30 to 35 years old. Neither of us had seen him before. We asked him if we could help him, and he said he needed water. He seemed like he might be in trouble, so we decided to be kind. My brother went to get him some water, and it was just me and this man standing at the door. We exchanged some awkward small talk, like how was your week and what your hobbies were. Finally, my brother came back with a bottle of water. My brother was just at the entrance to the living room when the man, who had already seemed nervous as he talked to me, suddenly rushed at me. I screamed, trying to run from my seat in the opposite direction of the man, but I was small and slow. Before I knew it, he had his hand around the back of my neck, yanking me backward. My brother yelled some sort of curse or threat at him and jumped on his back. The man was trying to drag me outside. I kicked and screamed. My brother punched the man to no avail before he had us both outside with me in his hands and my brother on his back, he forced me to turn and face him, and he whispered something to me that I can never forget. Why does it hurt so bad? Then just like that, he let go, ran out of the door, and shut it behind him. My brother gave chase as I grasped at my bruised neck. Instead of running out the door, my brother stopped once he opened it, staring outside with a confused look on his face. I'd never been so afraid before. I remember crying for the rest of the night before finally crying myself to sleep. It wasn't until much later after the incident that I found out why my brother was so confused. Apparently, a mere second after the man ran out the door and closed it, my brother opened the door only to see that there was no one there no trace of the man, as if he had never actually existed at all. I don't know what happened, but I do know I'll never want to be alone on Thanksgiving again, or be home alone at all if I can help it. These stories can be pretty scary, but don't let that disrupt your holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy the time you have with your family. You never know when someone will be here one day and gone the next. Cherish each other and cherish what you have. I know I tell scary stories, but I also want to wish you all the best Thanksgiving possible. Remember, 
you can send me your scary prom stories at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. And be sure to leave a like on this video and share it with your family and friends. Thank you all. Stay safe out there and stay creepy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.